Good morning, church. Little did you know Magnum P.I. would be teaching you this morning. Uh, for those of you too young to know, oh goodness, that's a joke about my mustache. This mic might kill me by the end of the day. Andre told me I have small ears. I blame him. He blames me. I think we're good. I've never used a mic before because I'm a pretty loud guy. So if it comes down, I'll just scream even louder. This morning, we're digging in more into the Sermon on the Mount. If you missed the past two weeks, Pastor Jonathan has been talking about the Beatitudes. These seemingly paradoxical passages where Jesus says blessings to those who are poor, blessings to those who are meek. And then from there, we get to where we are this morning, Matthew 5, verses 13 to 16. I was taught that whenever you're telling a congregation a passage you want them to look up, you always say it three times. So again, that's Matthew 5, 13 to 16. As we go into Matthew 5, 13 to 16, today we'll be reading, you got it, Matthew 5, 13 to 16. This is going to kill me, Andre. I'm going to ask you, if you have a Bible near you, that you open it to Matthew 5, 13 to 16. It's Jesus speaking, and he says, you are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you sent your son to this earth, not only to preach to us, not only to teach to us, but to save us from our sin. And we thank you that you have put within us this light that can shine in the midst of darkness. We pray, God, that we would be that light to the world. As Jesus, you have gone back up to heaven. You have left us here to be there for the unbeliever. You have left us here to shine the light of your word. For it's in your amazing and powerful name we pray. Amen. I just taught Jonathan a trick. You drink water while you pray. People have their eyes closed. They don't see you do that little segue. So let's dig in. Let's, this is a, a four course meal. Let's dig in. Get your fork and your knife ready. Matthew 5, let's start with verse 13. Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. Yeah, that's much better. Let me shut this off. Is this guy on? Oh, there we go. You are the salt of the earth. What is Jesus telling us? Is he saying, you know, you guys have high blood pressure, your cholesterol levels are high, you got to cut out the salt? No, Jesus is calling us to be salt in this earth. Now, what does that mean? Well, in order to understand, we have to kind of take a look at what salt was to the people of Jesus' time. Salt had three main uses. Salt was used for taste, salt was used as a preservative, and salt was used for healing. 
And in the same three ways, I think Jesus is calling us to be salt to this earth. The first being taste. We as believers are to bring about that tasting, that beautiful flavoring of the gospel to this earth. Psalm 34 verse 8 says, taste and see that the Lord is good. We are called to bring about that delicious flavoring of the gospel to this earth. If you don't know Jesus, me saying delicious might creep you out. You don't really understand. But those of you who have met Jesus, you get it. You've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. John 13, 35, Jesus is speaking and he tells his disciples, people will know you by the way that you love. So how do we be the salt of the earth? We bring about that love of Jesus to the world. And in doing so, the world might taste and see that the Lord is good. Now this contrasts to the way that the world is. Again, if we're to be salt, what is the world? Okay, so when it comes to taste, Romans 3.13 says that the man, apart from Christ, unbelievers, have the venom of asps on their lips. This world is so used to tasting poison that they're spewing it around. Now, we as believers have the life in us to share. We have that tasting and seeing that the Lord is good. As the world is tasting poison, we can bring about that beautiful flavoring of Jesus by showing them the love of God. So that's the first way that we can be salt by by showing people that the Lord is good by loving on one another. Second use for salt. I'm just going to leave that there is to preserve Now, in the time of Jesus, you'd take a piece of meat, you'd put salt on it, and it would preserve the meat. Today, you look at most of your canned foods, and they're preserved with sodium, same thing. Now, to preserve is to maintain something in its original state. So, how are we to preserve? What are we to preserve? I believe we're preserved... Two things. One, the beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're not to sully it. We're not to downplay it. We're not to downgrade it. We're to maintain it in its original state. The way Jesus said it, that he came and died for us, took on our sin and rose again. So we're to preserve that. And we are called to preserve the brotherhood and sisterhood of believers. Hebrews 10, 24 to 25 says that we are to spur one another on to love and good works. So when we are called to be salt to this earth, we are called to encourage each other in the faith. That we are to cheer one another on as we run the race marked out for us. Again, we'll contrast this to the way of the world. Now this world, according to Jesus... In Matthew six nineteen to 21, spoiler warning, I think we'll be talking about this later on in the series. But Jesus tells us that the things of this earth are being destroyed by moth and rust. And that the things of this earth don't last. But we are called to have our treasures in heaven. Where moth and rust do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. And so we are to preserve those things that last. The gospel of Jesus Christ and the brotherhood of believers. The third and final use for salt is for healing. 
Many of you have heard the term rubbing salt in an open wound. Now that was somewhat of a practice in the time of Jesus because salt has this cleansing, this healing property to it. Today, as many of you know, I'm a nurse and if a patient comes in with a big open wound, we cleanse it with something called normal saline, which is just salt water because salt has a healing and a cleansing property to it. I don't have to work too hard, I think, to explain to you how we are to be salt in this way. We are to bring healing and cleansing into a dirty and dying world. In Mark 16, verse 18, part of Jesus' great commission is for us to bring healing to this earth. And I think not only physical healing, but spiritual, emotional, relational healing. This contrasts again to the world. Romans 8.28 says the wages of sin is death. We live in a dying world. And we are called by Jesus here to be salt in a dying world. To bring healing, to bring cleansing to this earth. So when Jesus tells us to be salt. He's calling us to bring the sweet truth of the gospel to preserve the brotherhood of believers and to bring healing into a broken, sad world. We'll move on to the next part of Matthew 5. Matthew five thirteen. after he says, you are the salt of the earth, he says, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Now, I had a hard time with this part. So I asked my father and my mother-in-law and I said, okay, like, what do you guys think this means? And my father-in-law, as many of you know, very scientific man. He said, well, is that even possible? Because today we have sodium chloride, which is what our salt is. And how can pure sodium chloride, how can it lose its taste? Is that even possible? So did some research and the salt used in the time of Jesus was impure salt. It wasn't just sodium chloride. It had impurities. It had other minerals. And what could happen is those other minerals could leach the flavoring out of the salt. And if this happened, it was commonplace for the people to take their useless salt and toss it on the street because it was good for nothing. Now, what's Jesus telling us here? We're being reminded that we are living in an impure world. We are salt in the midst of so many other minerals. And what can happen is we can become greaterly impacted by the world than we are impacting it. And if the world is impacting me more than I impact it, I become more like the world. I become useless for the gospel. When I was in high school, I worked at Food Basics, and I remember working with people who used, uh, for lack of a better word, colorful language. And as I worked with them, I realized that that language started coming out of me. You see, I was becoming greater impacted by the people around me than I was impacting them. So my question, I think Jesus' question here is, are you impacting the world around you or are you letting the world around you impact you? Are you being conformed to the patterns of this world or are you being transformed by the renewal of your mind? 
Here he's telling us that if we become conformed to this world, if we become greaterly impacted by this world, we lose our effectiveness for the gospel. Going on, he says in verse 14, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. Now, when I was in elementary school, we went down uh, and visited one of the mines. I'm from Sudbury where nickel mining is a big industry. And we went out into the mine. We had our little miners hats with the light on it. And when we got to a certain part of the mine, the instructor said, okay, everyone turn your light off. So we did. And it was pitch black. It was utter darkness. It was so dark that if you closed your eyes, it seemed brighter than when your eyes were wide open. That is the state of the world we live in. The world we live in is in utter darkness. And Jesus here is telling us we are the light of the world. There is no other light in this world but those who follow Jesus Christ. And everyone is wandering around the mine looking for the right entrance. And we as believers are called to shine a light in the midst of that darkness. See, when I was in the mine, all it would have taken is a strike of one match. And you would have been able to see that for miles. And in the same way, we are the only light this world has. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5, 8 to 16. Ephesians 5, 8 to 16. Ephesians 5, 8 to 16. What are we reading? Ephesians 5, 8 to 16. Paul says this. For at one time, you were in darkness. Not even that. You were darkness. But now, you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. So how do we be the light of the world? He sums it up here pretty good. He reminds us, we were once darkness like the world is. Now we are light. Let's shine hope in this earth. It is possible that there has never been a darker time in human history than right now. I say this from experience working now in the ICU at the hospital, seeing the utter darkness and hopelessness this world has. And we as the church are the light. We are the light. Let Newmarket Alliance shine the hope of Jesus to this world that sees nothing but hopelessness and death and destruction and disgusting. It is the dream, I'm sure, of Jonathan that Newmarket Alliance's hope shines bright in this time. That the church takes on the mantle that it's called to and is the light in the midst of the darkness. And those who have no hope would find it in Jesus Christ. That's what we're called to. To be the light in this dark world. 
going on, he says, a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. I think Jesus's point here is to tell us we are to watch ourselves because we are being watched. When I told my coworkers I was a Christian, there was this, this pressure put on me. The people were watching the way that I spoke, the way that I walked, the way that I talked, the way that I practiced, the way that I worked. The unbelievers around me were watching if I was going to get engaged in the gossip. Because you see, I am supposed to be the light. I'm called to be Jesus to these people. And so you are a city on a hill and you won't be hidden. Watch the way that you live your life. I'm not telling you to fake it till you make it. I'm not telling you that you should walk around and pretend that you're all goody goody. But what I am saying is watch what you do because your life is a testimony. As we sang this morning, your life is a testimony to your father. When people look at you, do they see Jesus? Verse 15, he says, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand and it gives light to all in the house. If you haven't noticed, I'm a big fan of analogies and Max Licato, I think really hammers this home. He says, imagine yourself and everyone around you that doesn't know Jesus is drowning in a vast ocean and you are sitting on the lifeboat. He says, how are you going to act? Are you the one going, Oh, Hey, uh, are you okay down there? Like, maybe I'll help you. Uh, your truth, my truth. Like, I think you might be okay. I don't know. Or are you going to scream? Here is salvation. You are dying in your sin. You need salvation. Now, I'm not saying stand on a soapbox and preach in the middle of the street. But I'm saying realize that the unbelievers around you are dying today in their sin. I'm not talking about them going to hell. I mean, they will. But today they're enslaved to sin. Today they're following in chains. And you have the key. You can bring about emancipation. You can save them through Jesus Christ. But instead, we dampen our light because we don't want to intimidate anyone. We're standing in the mines with a light. And instead, we're covering it because we don't want to be too pushy. We forget that those around us are dying in their sin. And that we have a mission to be the light. That we should be that lifeboat that proclaims Jesus saves. That lifeboat that brings hope in the midst of darkness. That's what we're called to do. Jesus says, in Mark 10:39 that if we deny him in front of our friends he will deny us in front of his father Jesus is reminding us that we have a duty to bring about the good news to this world Verse 16 says in the same way let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your father who is in heaven This is we evangelism by the way you live your life. 
We are called to live a life above reproach. Peter tells us to live a life above reproach among unbelievers. We are called to be the light of the world. And we are to let our light shine among others, not for our glory, but for God's glory. Notice what he says. He says uh, that they may see your good works and give glory to God, to your father who is in heaven. So as you live out your daily life and you are acting, following the spirit of God and you are acting in the gifts of the spirit and loving those around you, it is not for your glory, but for God's glory. So as you are a light, you are shining not on yourself, you are shining on Jesus. In the same way that you put salt on a nice steak, the salt itself isn't really tasty. You're not going to eat it with a spoon. I mean, if you do, you've got bigger problems, and I'll probably see you in the hospital soon. But it brings about the flavoring of the steak. The steak is the one that everyone cares about. We as salt, we as light are shining on God, on Jesus, not on ourselves. If you're someone who likes to take notes, this part's for you. The application, the, okay, we've heard, let's not just be hearers of the word, let's be doers. So how do we do this? Point number one, we are called to be the salt to those around us. How do we do this? We let our speech be gracious, seasoned with salt, Colossians 4, 6. We love those around us. We work to preserve the fellowship of believers. If you are thinking of someone right now who you know could use some encouraging, I would encourage you to encourage them. As we are all walking this race and running this race together, let's encourage one another. Let's hold each other to accountable to Jesus. And we are to bring healing and not pain into this already broken and dying world. Point number two, watch yourself as you are being watched. Watch the way that you act among unbelievers. Watch the way you act among believers. Again, I'm not saying fake it. I'm not saying put on a smile. If you're mourning, mourn. But don't do it as those who have no hope because you have hope. And when your coworkers are in the break room, or I guess you guys do it on Zoom, I don't know how you do you know, cooler gossip if that happens in Zoom. But what are you saying in the midst of those gossip sessions? This is a word for me too. It's, a, it's something that I struggle with. What am I saying when all of my coworkers are talking bad about someone? Am I Jesus in that situation? Watch yourself because you're being watched. Point number three, let's light this place up. For those of you kids out there, let's get lit. My wife loves me when I say that. Now, how do we do this practically? If you'll turn with me to Romans 12, 9 to 16. Romans 12, 9 to 16. Where are we going? Romans 12, 9 to 16. See, I wish you guys were all here so you could yell it, but I'm sure you're saying it to the camera. Romans 12, 9 to 16. Paul says, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. 
Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. You want to know how to be light in this world. There it is. Let love be genuine. Not some fake. Oh, I love you. Let love be genuine. Love that is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It's not irritable or resentful. Does not rejoice with wrongdoing. Rejoices with the truth. Bears all things. Believes all things. Hopes all things. Love never ends. That's what we're called to. That's the light we can bring. Let's outdo one another with showing honor. And then I think some of the most poignant ones, those, those last three, let's rejoice in hope. I'm going to say it again for a church. Let's rejoice in hope. In the midst of darkness, in the midst of pain and suffering and death, let's rejoice in hope. I don't live for this world. I live for the next. This world is dying. I'm to be salt. I'm to preserve that which is going to last. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Let's be constant in prayer. And let's seek to show hospitality and generosity to those around us. Point number four. Stop hiding and shine. We talk with the young adults pretty much every week. We talk about evangelism and many of us, myself included, admit that this is hard. When I go to work and they ask me, how was my weekend? And I'm ashamed to tell them I was here that I did church on Sunday. Or when they ask me, how was my Monday night? And I shy away from telling them that I was in Bible study. I'm just dampening that light. I'm getting rid of an opportunity to share the gospel. If I claim that Christianity is my core, if I claim that my relationship with Jesus is everything to me and those around me don't know about it, am I being honest? See, people around me know that I love Heather because I talk well about her. We, the way that we are when we're together, people know that I love her. But if my relationship with Christ is to be stronger than that and people around me don't know about it, what am I doing? If you truly love the Lord and you claim that it is your one desire, that this relationship is the most important thing to you, that should show to the people around you. Stop hiding your light and let it shine. So I challenge you, if you go back to work Tomorrow and people say, how was your weekend? You tell them this amazing, good looking pastor kid. He told me that, you know, I should tell you this, that, you know, I went to church. You can tell them good looking or whatever. That's up to you. But I encourage you not for the sake of uplifting yourself, but for the sake of opening conversation, opening dialogue. Because we are the light. In the midst of this dark world. 
Point number five, make an effort to show Jesus to those around you. I'm not saying well it up out of yourself. I'm saying live by the spirit. I'm saying follow the spirit's leading. To make an effort to show those around you the love of Jesus Christ. You may be the closest thing to Jesus those around you will ever meet. I'm going to say that again. You may be the closest thing to Jesus that those around you will ever meet. They may not have an opportunity to see another light. They might not have an opportunity to taste and see that the Lord is good, but you are the light in their life. Are you doing Jesus justice or a disservice in the way that you live your life? Because you may be the closest thing to Jesus that those around you will ever meet. So let's shine church. Let's shine in the midst of this darkness. Let's shine to those around us. Let's be salt to this dying and disgusting world. Let's bring about the healing of Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you challenge us, that God, you take us as we are, but you want to, con- to transform us into the likes of your son, into the look of your son. God, we thank you for a reminder today that this world is dark. We already know it. We can see it. We can feel it. God, remind us that you have put a light in us so that we can shine in the midst of darkness. We can show your love and kindness to the world. We can bring about your healing. We can show people your goodness. Father God, I pray that New Market Alliance Church would be a beacon of hope, not just to New Market, but to the world. Not a beacon so that people will come and praise Knack, but a beacon that shines your light, that pushes people to you, Father. We may just reflect a piece of your goodness to this world. We thank you for this amazing sermon that you have preached to us, God, in Matthew. We pray that we wouldn't just be hearers of your word, but doers. Give us courage. Give us boldness to share your word, to share your gospel to the people around us. God, when we shy away, when we try and hide that light, encourage us to shine. May we follow the prompting of your Holy Spirit when you're calling us to share. Father, we thank you that you are good. Father, as a side, I pray for those who are having a hard time tasting and seeing that you are good in the midst of this. God, I pray that you would renew in them a right spirit. 
That they might taste and see that God, you would give them a thirst that as the deer pants for water, so their soul would long for you. And that God, that longing for you would shine through their life and the people around them might see a difference. And God, I pray for those who don't know you this morning. Those who don't know you and are living in darkness and pain and shame. That they might come to know that you bring freedom in Jesus name. That you long to make them into a light to this world. A light that brings about life. Father God, may we do the name of Jesus Christ justice through our faithfulness to you. May we abide in the vine. That we might bear fruit. And that that fruit would show the goodness of God, a a light that points to you. For it's in your amazing and your powerful name we pray, Jesus. Amen.